night. Good morning, moms, homeschooling moms, any moms, maybe grandmothers, and welcome to our Homeschool Mom to Mom Connect webinar with Moms for America. We're here to assist you on your road less traveled of homeschooling. And fortunately, it's becoming more traveled, but it's still less traveled. And they're because most of us grew up in the public education system, we it's a steep learning curve. Um, we began homeschooling our six kiddos back in 1982 when I took my oldest daughter and registered her for kindergarten. And then between that time and school starting, very fortunate events occurred. We decided we are not doing this and we never did. So all six of them have graduated from college. Um, and I think some of our greatest greatest triumphs, I think, in spite of all the things that we could have done better, were we have a close family and they all love to learn. So consider that a blessing, even though as grown grownups, they can look back and say, yeah, this was really good, mom, but eh, some of this wasn't quite so hot. But you know, we're still, we can talk about it and work through it. So I send encouragement, moms, on those days when you feel like this is all falling apart and I don't know what to do. So you are here and we have a very special guest speaker. We're going to be discussing how to homeschool when you just feel like you are too busy. So let me read Sam's short bio and I in our pre-webinar call, she was just telling about some of the things that she has done in her life. It's a lot longer than this, but let me just read the short one and then we will introduce Sam. So she is an education freedom advocate. Sam's mission is to help parents and their children emancipate from our modern school system. She's a successful Hollywood film actress, writer, and producer. Sam stepped back from her own career to immerse herself in the home education of her three young children for over a decade. Recognizing the brokenness of our institutional system led Sam to understand that there is much more to education than academics, yes. As a prolific author, podcast and radio host, international public speaker and home education mentor, Sam is dedicated to teaching families how to educate differently. Sam, we are so grateful that you have taken time to be with us. We look forward to learning from you. So first off, can you just, those were words um, uh, on a page. Would you flesh out your, who you are and how you got to be, especially from Hollywood to homeschooling? So take it away, Sam. Well, you know, it's it's not any great story of like a, a revelation or, you know, I was struck by, you know, divine intervention, although I do believe that I that I was in a certain way. Uh, the school just wasn't serving my oldest child. And he went all the way through second grade. We moved there for the schools. I was very devoted to education. I, I grew up in the system. I believed in the system because I grew up in it. I went to school. My own mother moved us to a better school so that we could attend a better a better public school. Um, I, I went to college and I'll tell you this, I learned in high school and then again, basically in college that I could not ever be an actress because nobody was ever successful at that. That was like pie in the sky, pipe dreams. Uh, don't, don't pursue that. And then I, um, 
I had to quit college or I had to take a year off from college and I made my way in the world. And I realized that if I wanted to become an actress, I just needed to work hard at it. Um, but I had the potential and I had the, the, the capability um, and I, and I created for myself the opportunity. And so that severely eroded my confidence in the system so that by the time my, my oldest son was in second grade, and the system wasn't serving him, I already had lost some confidence in the system. Not enough, but, <laughs> but, but enough to take him out of the system and say to my husband, I think I could homeschool him and fail and he would still be better off. And that's where we are today. We have, we have families who are saying, my goodness, anything is better than this what they're doing to the children in the schools. And they're right, anything, nothing is better than what they're doing to the children in the schools because what they're doing to children in schools is child abuse. Now, that's a blanket statement. There are good teachers, there are great teachers. There are great, there, are, there can be great opportunities for children in the schools. But in the, in the decade plus that I've been homeschooling, and I've been speaking about homeschooling and researching and everything. What I've discovered is there's a lot that's wrong that's built into the system. And there's no mitigation efforts really that can cure that. And so the, the way that you, the, the way that I summarize it is the system has created itself, basically. It is a, it's a self-perpetuation machine. So what we have in the system today drag queen story hour, LGBTQ pride month in the schools, um, DEI and uh, common common core and um, uh, critical race theory and all of these things, children who believe that they're cats, litter boxes in the hallways, not even in the yes. bathrooms, in the hallways, um, just all of that stuff that we have in our schools and the pornography in the literature, the pornography in the textbooks, um, the, the, se the sex education that is actually grooming, masquerading as some kind of, uh, you know, educational aspiration, right? But it's grooming. All of that is the result of the system. It's the system, stupid. It's, it's the, the problem is the system. And so, Anything that you do with your children, if you just love them and nurture them, and and if if the least you can do is teach them how to learn, that's the that's the key. That's the answer. That's enough. That's enough. It's so much better than what they're getting in the schools. So yes. that's it in a nutshell. Can we go yes. now? Yes. Yes. Thank you. And moms, I just saw some uh, uh, something in the chat. If you have questions, please put them in the chat. Um, let's just. Well, I, uh, I have uh, Sarah Jane saying as a public high school English teacher, my textbooks were published by History Channel, A&E and ION. They're TV channels. Yes. So so education is a multi-billion dollar industry. It is a big business. One of the sharks on Shark Tank was an education publisher. He made a crap load of money. Why do they need new books? 
They don't need new books because the old books are too worn and tattered to read. They need new books because they need to spend your money. <clears throat> yes. Okay. Oh, like I, it's so it's so bad. I I hate saying it, but it's but it is that bad. It's that bad. <laughs> oh, oh yes. Um, thank you, Hannah. Hannah has just put up um, the social emotional learning, critical race theory, gender confusion, and more free for downloads from yes. Moms for America. Moms website. for America has created that download, and it's it's fantastic. You, you the parents don't know this stuff. Uh, so so. COVID did an incredible service to the children of this nation. This is how God takes terrible things and works them together for the good. So parents woke up and said, wait a minute, you're teaching my child what now? Uh, right. And so, so if you please get that download and see what is going on in the schools, I'm sure, I'm sure everybody at this point has seen, maybe not, has seen the, the, the preacher, the pastor who gets up at the school board and reads pornographic literature, sexual language with words that I won't say here because they're so offensive, but he's reading from the books that are in the libraries, in the public schools, and he gets taken out of the meeting mm -hmm. and the book stays. Oh, yes. <clears throat> yes. <laughs> Yes. Um, I'm sorry. I'm fired up this morning. I'm not sure why, but oh, that, I want, that's all right. I, yeah. I want to save the kids. I don't want the kids to have to go through this stuff. It's yeah. awful. There, yes. And, you know, I, I, I'm sure, Sarah, that there are good textbooks out there. And I'm sure there are good history teachers that are trying their best. It's, it's just kind so of here's the problem. Textbooks don't teach history. Textbooks teach that history is boring and awful. Books that teach history are storybooks because history is our story. And we are story people. We are individuals who love storytelling and stories. That's why we go to the movies. We like to be, and it's not just entertainment, it's stories because stories entertain us. They engage us. They get us, um, they get us involved. They get us interested. But a textbook, the textbooks, particularly the textbooks today. Now, if you go back 50 years or a hundred years, you might find better, you will find better textbooks, but the ones today break down the instruction into memorize these dates they break it down into snippets that become much less interesting. And so you don't learn history as a continuum of the story of man throughout time. You learn it in snippets. This is this is the French Revolution. You don't learn what led up to the French Revolution so much. You don't learn the the um uh, the, the motivations of the individuals during the French Revolution. You just learn Robespierre, he brought in the guillotine, they started guillotining people, and then eventually he got guillotined. And like, and, and uh, you know, there was an uprising or whatever. And so, so what we've seen now, they've degraded education to such a degree that it's you it's I, I I would say that you can't call it education anymore in our schools. I would say that that to a cert, to a great degree, the schools don't accomplish education. They accomplish what I call schooling, which is to make you think a certain way. 
So they manipulate you to make you think a certain way. Like you could never be an actress, Sam. And, and, and by the way, the person telling me that I couldn't be an actress was a teacher who couldn't be an actress. And she thought that she should have been an actress, but now she was teaching. And so obviously since she couldn't be an actress, cause she was now a teacher, I couldn't be an actress because she didn't make it. And so, and by the way, like, I'm sure she thought that she was saving me the, you know, the sense of failure, whatever. I don't think it's our job to save our children from a sense of, uh, of failure. I think it's our job to inspire them to greatness and then see how, how they go about it. Because the joy is in the, the joy is in uh, the attempt. The, there's, there's actually less joy in achievement than there is in the attempt to achieve, right? The, the achievement itself is just sort of like, bing, you did it. Yay. But it was the attempt to achieve. That's really the driver of the, of, of the joy. So, you know, we, we have this misunderstanding that I think is, is really engendered in our schools. This, this misunderstanding of what really of what life is about, of what, of what gives us joy. And so when you go to school and you learn to, you know, respond to a bell, which is totally Pavlovian and very industrial, uh, you know, revolution type, you know, they created, and, you know, people know, okay, where did we get our school system? Rockefeller wanted worker bees, not thinkers, you know, all of this stuff. I mean, why does Harvard, why do, why do the, the major institution, the major, um, and, and I would say maybe most of them now of the colleges recruit, actively recruit homeschoolers. It's because they don't think inside the box because they, they were, they were, educated outside the box, outside the institution. And, and so, you know, I would hope that that's also what you want for your child. And then we have the, all these homeschoolers who are, who are graduating high school. And, and a lot of them are saying, wait, wh why do I need college? Tell me again, why I should spend all of this money so that mm -hmm. I can go and earn maybe more money, maybe like, maybe. so yeah. one thing that I wanted to cover, and I'm, I'm, I know I'm going like all over the place, but to give, because this is for busy moms, for, for people who think that yes. they're too busy to homeschool. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the resource that I developed for busy moms is called the playbook for home learning. And this is a resource. It's, it's 15 videos. Um, and the idea behind it is to retrain you to better understand what education is as opposed to what schooling is. So if you send your child to school, your child will be schooled, but he won't be educated. And that's a hard thing to say to people because we think that we were educated, <laughs> but we were schooled, which contributed things to our education, but, but also possibly caused us harm and caused harm to our education. So, so, so what I did with the playbook is I had... I, I go through and get you to rethink the way that you think about education. You need to sit down and have ser a serious conversation with yourself. What are your highest aspirations for your child? If it's that he has the job in the, you know, the, the good job in the tower, in the office tower with the, you know, view of the city um, and he makes a lot of money. That's the stated goal of the education system, of the school system in the United States. The stated goal is, is money. College prep and career readiness is, is a Ponzi scheme that you think that at the end of it, you're going to somehow get all the money at the end of, at the bottom of the pyramid because you paid in. 
right? And so I think that that's wrongheaded. I think it's wrongheaded to think that a child's greatest value is the amount of money that he can earn or that she can earn. And 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 really, uh, you know, we're we're really coming up against it now because all of these young women that we've graduated think that their their intrinsic value is tied to how much money they can earn, and so they don't they don't want to sacrifice their earning potential to raise a family, yes. and that's not where the joy is. There's no tombstone that that says, "I wish I'd spent more time at the office. I wish I'd earned more money in my lifetime." In fact, life is about relationships. And so your your best bet is to focus on the kind of person that you're raising, the character of the child, the 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 relationships that the child will have in his lifetime, the things that the child will be able to do for other people. You know, we we want to raise Einsteins that um, develop the theory of relativity. We want to raise uh, Louis Pasteur that develops, you know, some medic, some great medical achievement. We why because because that's a gift to humanity we want to raise people who can give to humanity you're not going to get that from a system that teaches them to follow directions and to not think outside the box and you're you're not going to get that from a system that teaches them that their value is how much money they make and so they really have to be concerned about what's in it for me what's in it for me all the time right yeah, yeah. so so that's what the playbook for home learning does is to get you re to rethink what you want for your child and then and then how to go about getting that. And that is not schooling, that's education. Yes. Thank you, Sam. Um what, probably we're all familiar with TED Talks. I think one of the very most watched TED Talks is by this wonderful speaker, Sir Ken Robinson, and it is how schools kill creativity. It is worth your 20 minutes. It is, it is by far the large, the, the biggest watched, the most watched TED talk. Yeah. And so, he's and so funny, but he he's unfortunately so gets it wrong. Oh, the, oh. It's, right. It's so hard. It's so hard because, you know, he is, he is lauded the world over. The problem is he's a socialist. And so he believes in school. So his answer is, better schools to create for creativity but that's well, not the solution the solution is take your children out of the institution that kills creativity <laughs> yes or yes so, and you know there are wonderful educational entrepreneurs coming up with pod schools and mini schools and things so lots of choices instead of just a lockstep um we had a very interesting post from Maria, who said, I remember sitting in 10th grade math class where we finished a complicated math problem. I raised my hand and asked a genuine question. Where in real life will we use this? The teacher got so mad at me asking the question. And in that moment, I realized this was all for nothing. And we would never use this information in real life. And she's grateful to be with raising her daughter and having fun with home education. And years ago, I got a book, a math book, and it's called, When Are We Ever Going to Have to Use This? And it takes the basic math problems, fractions, et cetera, and it shows you different careers and things that you will use them. So, but it's, I don't know, published in the 80s or something. So maybe you can find a used copy on thrift books, but. Um, so I, and I, I'll, I will tell you personally, I really struggle with this, this question. 
mm-hmm. because I love math and yes. I took calculus and math mm-hmm. to me is like the greatest thing ever. It's the language of logic. I think it's important that your child understands understands math, understands that math is a foreign language, that math is something that uh, that trains the brain. And at the same time, yeah, where are we going to use the Pythagorean theorem? Like, but but it's good to know that the Pythagorean mm-hmm. theorem exists. There's a reason that people did mm-hmm. research and came up with these mathematical formulas and things. And and I think it's important to point out, you know, math is a language uh, it, that works in the real world. It mm-hmm. also is a language that doesn't work in the real world, that works somehow spiritually, but not physically which is the connection to the spiritual world. Why does, why do the math rules, some of them work in the real world and some of them work in, you know, when you, when you're talking about seven dimensions, there's seven, there's multidimensional math that actually works. So, so, and, and sorry, the, the thing that I really wanted to say is that math is the, is the, is the conveyor belt, the way that they teach math in schools is such that if you miss a day, if you get up to go to the bathroom during math class and you miss, maybe it's just a little thing about fractions, right? It's a little rule with fractions and you miss the explanation of it. And then you come back and you don't know that you missed that thing. And then somehow you're derailed from learning the rest because math is so sequential. You build your math. And if you miss out on this one little thing, I call it a gap. And I did uh, in my TV show that I did on education for Epic Times, I did a whole episode on gaps and the fact that these gaps form and we don't even know that we formed these this gap, right? And so later on, when they're going through the problem and they cover the gap, they go, and, and we know from, you know, we know that this happens and you're sitting there, you're going, how, how do we know that happened? I don't know that happens. What? Oh man, I must be stupid. So math is the thing that teaches the child that the child is stupid because he doesn't know that there was a gap that was formed in the explanation. And math is one of the harder things to teach overall because everybody learns math differently. People's brains work differently. By the way, I learned this from my daughter. She's the one who taught me this. Your children are meant to teach you. And if if you're the one that's not paying attention, that's your loss, right? So your children are meant to teach you. So my child taught me this because she learns math completely differently. She sees math differently than I would say maybe most of the rest of the world. Like she's unique in this in this capacity. And so, so these gaps form. And then all of a sudden you're sitting in class and you're the stupid one. And that is, that's abusive to a child to teach a child that they're stupid because they, they somehow missed the lesson they they missed the training uh or the training was not given to them in the proper way for them to learn it and this is a problem with school this is a problem that school really can't address because children learn differently than other children and school teaches one way it's it's the teacher's way or the highway man and if you're stuck out on the highway you feel like you're the stupid one because you're the one who doesn't understand what everyone else seems to get so easily yes Yes. And and so I, I would say that if you can save your child that, man, you're way ahead of the game. He's way ahead of the game. Like that, you're doing your child a service by at least saving them that uh, 
that training in their own stupidity, let's say they're that training yes. that they are the, the, you know, the lot odd man out. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, Sam, we have had such a wonderful discussion, but let's get to some of your ideas on, and moms, if you have a, a or a, um, what is an obstacle for you or maybe a friend oh, yeah. to homeschooling? What are some of the things that stand in your way? And Sam, do you have any ideas on how to overcome some of these obstacles? What are some of the, what are the most common obstacles that you yeah. hear as you speak with people? So the, the, the most common obstacle is I'm a single mom and I have to work full time as if your child needs you to teach them for eight hours a day, right? So we think school, we think, well, we have to recreate school at home. Please don't do that. Please do yeah. that not. <laughs> Please yeah, don't do just that. <laughs> put that away, right? Do not recreate school at home. Don't get the cute little desks. Don't paint a blackboard on the wall. I did that. Uh, you know, full disclosure, I did it wrong when I first started, it took me a while to figure out. And this is what I try to do is save parents that, that on-ramping that, you know, that, that, that creates the disaster of pulling your hair out. Oh my gosh, I'm failing. I'm failing. I'm failing. And I Mm -hmm. failed, I failed upwardly. uh, Well, I shouldn't say I failed upwardly because I, because, because I wasn't really failing, but I felt like I was failing uh, a lot. And so I'm trying to save parents that. So, so the biggest one is I, I have to work full time. If you need childcare, then that's a, that's a nut that you're going to have to solve. But if you can arrange your life so that you work from home, then there's nothing standing in your way from homeschooling because homeschooling or home learning, I like to, I'd rather call it home learning or home education, right. Is, is maybe an hour a day with small children, maybe, the, the the focus of learning, the focus of teaching your children ought to be creating an environment in which they want to learn and then giving them the tools and the resources to learn and watching them. Yeah. Kids love and to learn. Out. And budding okay. out and allowing them to share with you what they learned. Right. Yes. So it's a completely different paradigm than data entry, which is what our schools do. You are not the the you are not the master programmer of your children please stop that you know stop that idea in its tracks that's the school's idea that's what our schools think is education that's not education education is not programming your child education should be raising your child in the way that he should go which involves you sharing your life with your child you you treating your child like his own person and showing him how to be an adult. That's your job is to show your child how to be an adult and not to, I mean, I'm, I'm getting so completely fed up with all of the child childish curricula that dumbs down learning for the child. Like that, that makes the child feel like you're just a child you can only handle this much. When my when my middle child was in first grade, he loved math so much. Man, I love this. I, I love this about this kid, right? He would come to me. I gave him a, a math workbook. And this was this was me doing it wrong, but I was sort of getting it right a little bit. 
as I gave my kids math workbooks and we just did the math workbooks and that exposed them to math and exposing your child to math is a good thing. Maybe he's really interested in math. That's a great thing. He's not that interested in math. Then maybe less of the math workbook is better for him because you don't want to make him feel stupid or less than because that's not his, his primary interest. Right. Um, so and and first grade is first grade like come on we're not it's not rocket science but my but my first grader came to me on on occasion basically almost every day and said mommy i want to do 30 pages of math today in my book i want to do 30 pages and i was like okay <laughs> you you go and so he finished his math workbook his first grade math workbook on halloween so two months in, he'd done the entire math workbook. So I went out and got him the second grade math workbook. And by the time I enrolled him in, we were halfway through second grade. He was doing math at a fourth grade level because he loved it. And why would I put a limitation on him? And why would I enroll <laughs> him in a school that would then uh, chain him to the conveyor belt of math? That was my bad. That was my mistake for going to a little private, tiny little school and enrolling him because I felt like a failure. You are made to feel like a failure by the school system. This is what we, this is one of the things that we fail to understand. The school system is, is the imposition of the feeling of failure on you. So if you feel like a failure, you must be doing it right. Homeschool. Yeah. Yes. Like, like it's almost like that's a badge of honor. If you feel like you're failing, you're probably doing a damn good job because the school <laughs> system has made you feel like a failure. And so I put, I put my boy into this, this little school and they tested him and they said, so he's doing math at a fourth grade level and he's second grade. I said, yeah, he's halfway through second grade. And I should have taken that and gone, man, I'm, I'm killing it. Like, what's my problem? According to the school, I'm killing it. I'm doing a fantastic job. Why do yes. I feel like such a failure, right? Yes. And I felt like a failure because he didn't read that well. So she tested him for reading. And I spent hours with this kid trying to get him to read better. My goodness, he was so abysmal at reading. So she tested him for reading and she said, you know, he's reading at a fifth grade level. And I looked at her and I said, so I'm the, I'm the one with the problem. She said, yeah. So it was me, my problem, what the school made me feel like I was a failure. I was clearly not a failure. And if you, if you feel like a failure, probably you feel like a failure because of what the school taught you to feel, because uh, I can only, I can only say that this has to be pervasive. It can't be just me. I can't be the only one that, and, and why would I feel like a failure? I was killing it. He was reading at yes. a fifth grade level in second grade. Like, mm -hmm. come on, folks. So, so you, I've, why did I feel like a failure? Because nothing was ever good enough. That's it. Yes. That's, I guess that's it, right? Don't we all have bad memories of school or school nightmares? But let me, I just, Sam, um, I'd like to go back to Amy's comment. She said, I worry working from home, I wouldn't spend enough time teaching her and paying attention to her. Um, she's an only child in third grade. Maybe she doesn't want your attention. 
maybe, maybe you're too much for her. You don't, I don't know that. You don't know that. Maybe, maybe you do. Maybe, maybe she's the most gregarious student, but you don't send a student to school to socialize. That's not why you send your kids to school. Why, why is there this thing that, well, what about socialization? That's not what they go to school for. They're told to shut up and sit down at their desks and not talk to each other. So, okay, maybe you don't have enough time. How much time do you think the child wants from you? Right? So, so, so re recalibrate that thinking. Maybe, maybe you're just enough. Maybe it's enough that my daughter is so introverted. School would have killed her. She would be totally cutting, goth, rebelling, acting out. And she has said that to me. She said, my goodness, mom, if you had sent me to school, I, I wouldn't have been able to take all of the, all of the stuff that was happening around me all the time. So we, we have this natural inclination because we all went to school to think that school is normal. The, 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 you know, soaking your children in a vat of other children every day, that's normal. That's not normal. That's abnormal. So yeah. think about, think about how much time you will have to, I'm sorry, there's a, there. Think about how much time you will have to spend with your child. And then also make time to spend with your child. And if you need to work at night when she's sleeping because she needs you a little bit more during the day, then work at night when she's sleeping. But if you're working from home, there's no excuse for you to send your child to a different authority every day so that your authority in your home is undermined, which is what happens when you, I mean, you're, you're basically saying when you send your child away from you, they know better than I do. And that does, that does you no service. It does the child no service because now they don't have you to look up to because you've told them, don't look up to me, look up to that other entity, whatever that might be. And uh, um, then here's the, the last thing that I'll say, try it. You don't know, try it first and then tell me, oh my gosh, it was an abysmal failure. She, she just wanted to be around kids her own age all day long. She hates to spend time with me. Like, if if you haven't tried it, then you can't say then then this this fear that oh I'm not going to be enough that that's the fear that's been instilled in you by the school system that you're not enough. I yeah. I will put you that God thinks that you're enough because He gave you that little girl to 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 He gave you that little girl to raise. Now we think that school is education. School's not education. He gave that child to you to educate. And then you're sending her to school is the opposite of education. Because because let's face it, first thing you learn to do in school is sit down and shut up and raise your hand. You have to ask permission to learn. You have to ask permission to ask a question. That's the opposite of education. Education is the asking of questions. You want that child to want to ask questions all the time. So the last thing you want to say is shut up. Don't ask me any questions. Now, you say you work. Okay. You have to work. So you, so you, so it's training. So you train the child when mommy's on the phone, you may not ask me a question. You just have to wait because the phone call is too important because mommy has to make money and earn money so that we can eat and do fun things together. So we're going to train you in patience to wait, to ask the question while mommy's on the phone or, or what have you, right? This is training. This is not, um, it's not anything more than that. It's 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 just and and it's good for a child to learn. Oh well, the 
somebody, uh, Katrina just said, it's good for kids to learn to work independently. So, so you train the child that you have your work and she has her work and her work is reading good books and enjoying reading good books. And you don't, you don't give your child a textbook. You give them a good book, a book that, it, that inspires their inspiration, their, their imagination. You give them books that engage them, that make them want to read more. And there are really good books. They're published by and large before 1950. Yes, exactly. yes. <clears throat> the newer yes. books, I would, I, I, I would just say there are too many good books that are that are before 1950, and not enough good books to warrant trusting anything that's published after 1950. And I'm sorry for the newer authors who are writing good books, but it's going to take a lot for me to like flip the switch and say yes, these are good books that were published after 1950. In fact, in 1950, C.S. Lewis wrote *The Abolition of Man*, in which he took to task the textbooks that they were putting in schools in the 1950s and how they were disenfranchising children from education and just going into training, training them to be stupid idiots that followed the masses. And this is what we don't want our children to do. We don't want our children to be trained to follow them. Good Lord, we just went through a whole season of people just following the masses. In other words, you know, this whole trust the experts thing where we we decided to just abdicate thought and just tell do exactly what other people told us to do and not do the research ourselves. Although I'm fairly convinced that most of the people on this uh, have did the research themselves and said, oh, wait, I'm not going to follow the masses, but who knows? So yes. my, my daughter was sent to the principal's office in second grade because yeah. she talked in class. Yeah, that's yeah. child abuse. I'm sorry. That's child abuse. Yeah, pull her out. Yes. And by the way, pull, pull, pull them out and then don't do anything with them. Just give them some good books. Do not give them electronics and see what they make of it. You know, there's a whole uh, uh, Charlotte Mason, you know, school of thought that's that give the child toys that are not too intricate, toys that will inspire and spark their imaginations rather than toys that will assuage their every whim. Uh, and there, that's a whole school of thought that I that I happen to, you know, tend to agree with. We we want we want our children to be out exploring and discovering, and learning how capable they are. And the only way they learn how capable they are is by being tested and testing themselves. I yes. do take a classical approach, but that's because I discovered classical conversations early on, and I loved that it was school in a box, and it appealed to the. Um, the academic in me. I'm, I'm, I'm an academic. I'm, I'm a, uh, you know, basically straight A student. I loved, I loved the study of it. I did. I hated school. I probably had the most, uh, the most absences in school growing up because I hated school, but I loved the study. I loved learning. And I thought that that's what, that's how learning happened. They also taught me to hate history and I hated history and I hated reading and I hated writing because I because I learned in school that if I was a math brain, which I was, I was definitely not the humanities. And so I hated all of that stuff because they made it boring and dry. When I graduated and I, I went into, I, I studied engineering in uh, college, um, I started, it started opening my mind. I had a fantastic professor in college, I will say, who taught me that history was worth reading, but by reading good books, and so then I fell in love with history and I fell in love with writing and I, and I started writing. And so 
I, I, you know, our, our system sort of bifurcates more than bifurcates our learning. So math is from 10 to 11 and it's at the sound of the bell. And that's the only time that you do math and you don't do math during history because history, you have to study the dates and facts and, and, you know, all of that stuff. That's, that's just wrongheaded. And classical conversations brought to me this idea that learning was a wheel and God was at the center of all knowledge and uh, that that had a great appeal to me. Um, the 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 struggle with that is I schooled my first two, and it was my daughter who taught me that she would teach herself the things that she needed to know, and that my job was just to put the guide rails on, limit you know limit screen time, et cetera, um, and and make sure that they read the good books. And by doing that, by by really by I, by by taking a year off from teaching her math because it was so it was so hard for her to learn it the the way that I thought she needed to learn it right that's me imposing my you know views on her we took a year off from math and I said do maybe do maybe do one chapter of math a week I don't care don't don't do it I don't care just you're not stupid so I don't want you to feel stupid so she, so she then, because I kind of set her free, she started studying on her own and she started teaching herself math. She did the research online. She found videos that taught her math. She still gets stuff wrong because she sees math in pictures and symbols and or, or not symbols, but pictures. And so it's yeah. a different, she approaches math differently, but I'll tell you the next year we sat down, we did algebra two together. And I said to her, all I care about is that you grasp the concept. I don't care if you get right answers because she makes, she makes arithmetic or arithmetic mistakes that mm -hmm. because she sees, she sees pictures and not symbols. Yeah. It's, it's a weird thing, but she understood the concepts and I realized it's really the concepts that I want her to understand. I don't care if she can do, if she can solve a binomial expression, like really, why do we care about that? I just want her to understand the concepts and she's so much more than that. And she's brilliant in other ways. Her writing is nice. beyond, I wish, I only wish that I could write like she writes and mm -hmm. have the imagination that she has. And so, um, so I love the classical approach and I think that we are too litigious with it, uh, because of our own schooling, we get too litigious. Um, my son, my son graduated high school at classical conversations. He did very well. He's, he's a very bright kid. And at 22, he finished a book for the first time in five years because my schooling him, even though we were homeschooling basically taught him to hate reading, which is my bad. So this is what I say. Like I imposed this, no, you have to read, you have to do this, you have to do that. And I didn't allow him to explore the things that, that most interested him to the degree that I did with my youngest. And so he finished this book, which happens to be a book that I gave him. Uh, and he said, this was the best book I've read. Well, it's the only book I've finished in five years, but it was a really, really good book. Thank you for that. Now I'm going to go read Marcus Aurelius. Yeah. It's, and so, it's so true. And that's what we want for our kids. We want to expose them mm -hmm. to the things and then back off and, mm -hmm. and let them discover for themselves, which is so much more empowering 
when you discover something for yourself, I think we can all identify with that. And so take that feeling from this conversation, take that idea of how do I allow my child to discover for himself? That's what we wanna be doing for our kids is, is empowering them. Yeah. Um, there have been some wonderful things in the chat. Kevin, thank you so much for those quotes. Those were excellent. Um, I hope um, Katrina said, I work from home three days a week and homeschool my fourth grader. I provide her with instructions before I begin working and schedule five to 10 minute breaks to check in or assist her with questions. And also, if you make your child or children partners with you, like we are going to work together. And as Sam said, I will, I've got my work and you've got yours and we're going to help each other. And that they become empowered, that they're part of the team instead of, oh, I'm the I'm the kid and mom's busy yeah. with important stuff and here I am. So I hope that's helpful. Are there any other obstacles, Sam, that you hear um, or put in the chat things that you're concerned about or maybe a friend is concerned about? What else do you hear, Sam, that... Um, I can think of a lot that I've heard over the well, years. Well, the biggest, you know, the, the the next biggest obstacle is from parents who are homeschooling, but they think that they're failing. Mm -hmm. and, and so that's, you know, what I've just really, what I've just spoken to is, mm -hmm. and, and what I really want people to understand, I've raised three extraordinarily adult children. Um, and, and I did it it's sort of by accident, but it's because <laughs> I, I don't believe in talking down to your children. And I had a great example of that. Mm -hmm. um, I had a great example of that growing up. Uh, you know, I basically had a single mom as a mother. Um, I had a stepfather for a time that didn't work and whatever. Um, and she always treated me like I was a thinking person. And and um, I think that 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 is something that our culture, we've, we've, how do I say it? We've enculturated childnessness, childhoodness, childness. Mm -hmm. yes. um, and so yeah. we, we send children to school and we talk down to them and we, you know, give them coloring books and we just, we just treat them so much like children for so long that now we have children graduating university, children yes. who can't hold a job, much less have a career. Um, who who don't know how to do life. Your job as a parent is to teach your child how to do life. So, you know, hold them up to a higher standard. They will love that standard and they will they will aspire to it. And then when they achieve it or half achieve it, then you commend them and you say, that was a good try. We're gonna, we're gonna you know, do more next time, whatever. Um, so raise adults. Yeah. And, uh, you know, my kids have struggled because, their peers, even their homeschooled peers, are schooled to the degree where they're still children um, it, it, to to a large extent. and and this is this is something that we want to we want we want our kids to grow into adults. Yes. So you know, hold them accountable like adults mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. teach them to be accountable like adults. Yes. and um. And focus, I mean, we really want to focus less on the school aspect of it and more on the living aspect of it. Give your children chores to complete. You know, we 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 crave meaning and purpose in life. 
And when you give your child a purpose, you're giving them this tremendous gift. If their purpose is setting the table, then that's a gift and you hold them accountable. And then you, you remark on their achievement. You set the table so nicely. I see that you actually turn the knife the right way. It's supposed to face into the plate and not away from the plate. And it's supposed to be on the right side, not the left side. You did a good job there. That was very good. What a lovely, look at the table for a minute. Look at how you, how nice a job you did setting the table. I'm so pleased. I'm, I'm, you know, and, and so you build your children up and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've made, I made some mistakes on the way with, with my kids. I, I thought my child would be more capable and it turned out he was childish and he spray painted his brother and that was unfortunate. (laughs) And then he had basically, you know, I punished him for spray painting his brother because that was not part of the deal. (laughs) So, you know, you, you make mistakes and then your kids and you learn from those mistakes and that's the beauty and joy of it. But, you know, my children are partners in life with me now, uh, Mm -hmm. 22, 19 and 18. And I go to them for advice and, and they give me advice and I give Mm -hmm. them, but they come to me for advice. Mm -hmm. And this is the partnership. This is, this is the raising of the child. This is why, in, in biblical times, the young man would find a wife and bring her back to his father's house and build on to his father's house and do family together. This is, this is the goal is the family is the goal, but we've been dissuaded from that goal by a school system that puts money as its highest value and teaches children that their parents are secondary. The school comes first, the parents come second and has stolen the family from our culture, the family, the bedrock of our of our culture, the bedrock of our society, the, the driving force behind our economy, they've stolen that. And so now it's like, you gotta get a job and your highest value is that job. And that's not true, that's a lie. <clears throat> yes, you want to be How a good I handle worker. curriculums? There are so many yeah. out there that can assist you. So oh, and the cost too. Excuse me, Sam. Somebody else, um, Hannah said the cost of educational materials. I hear this one a lot. So we can kind well, of dovetail those two together. There are so so again, you're looking at school as if it's data entry, and you've got to find the right materials to do the data entry. And I, I will tell you, you don't. In fact, you can do. You can borrow books from the library, good reading books, and accomplish a full education just from the good reading books from the library. Because if your child reads a book about a caterpillar that turns into a butterfly, the child will say, I want to know more about caterpillars turning into butterflies. And there are great books at the library about caterpillars turning into butterflies Mm -hmm. and the scientific Mm -hmm things beyond that. And then the child will be exposed to other science experiments and things to do. And so, yeah, yeah, there's a cost. Um, There's a cost to raising a child. The child needs new clothes, but you can shop at the Salvation Army and at United Way. Uh, Yes. And there's so much online. And there's so much online to to mitigate the costs. Mm -hmm. And I, and I caution, this is why I don't have a curriculum. That I've developed because the curricula make it about data entry by and large. And so be careful about, you know, thinking that buying some high cost curriculum will accomplish the education of the child. That's not how it works. And in fact, you know, the one the one big thing that I discovered and I should have known this from my own upbringing. So we moved schools because the first school 
system only did 12 chapters in the 52 chapter biology book. I remember that was like this discovery that my mother made. And she said, well, we are not staying here. They only do 12 chapters in the biology book. And that's ridiculous. And so we moved to a school that did 35 of the 52 chapters. They still left out a good 12 chapter or or seven chapter. No, what a 27, what is it? 17 chapters. Um, they still left out, you know, 50% or or 30% of the book, which is like, yes. they're leaving that out. Yeah. They don't even accomplish the whole curriculum. Why do we feel so chained to curricula? And, you know, I did Shirley Grammar. I absolutely love Shirley Grammar because uh, it breaks down the grammar of, of English into the system that we have, the system of English, which teaches the child that that language is not chaotic, language has structure. And I love that. And my kids mm-hmm. love doing it because they made it fun, but they also made it drudgery. And so with my first child, I forced him to write every essay that they gave in the curricula. And that's too bad because with my second child, he, he wrote every other essay and he actually might even be a better writer than my first child. Although my first child did publish a book at the age of 19, which you go, well, maybe, maybe that's why, maybe, I don't know. I'm I'm not sure. But then again, he also stopped reading because he hated it so much. So, you know, you can make it drudgery and that's, I think, because you adhere to the curriculum, but you don't have to make it drudgery. Maybe don't be so beholden to the curriculum and yes. Search for other options to the curriculum and yes. understand that your child is learning. Look, try, try to make it, try to make it that your child stops learning. The best way to do that is to impose learning on him. That's the best way to do that. So maybe less imposition of learning and more opening the world to him, take him to the museum and then maybe, maybe doing some research about the stuff in the museum that you saw Maybe that's great for him. I mean, homeschool, I, I highly advocate at least one day a week at the library with young kids, at least one day a week. That's habit forming. They get the books. You you put a system in so that the books don't go missing and then you return them at the next week and you bring back new books. Um, less focus on curriculum. That's, that's a, that's an imposed system from the schools that we learned at school that, that the learning comes from the curriculum. I'm here to tell you it really doesn't. Yes. And I think the more experience you have with homeschooling, the less you use curriculum. You just use real books. You use life. You find people that are really good. Say you, your child wants to learn to write, find a writer and bring the Get to get to know the writer that can talk to your ben, child. Ben Carson's mother couldn't read, and mm-hmm. she mm-hmm. she imposed on him writing an essay about a book every week um, that she couldn't read. Yes, that she what an amazing woman. We are having wonderful things in the chat. Um, people concerned about do I send my child to a conservative Christian school, which costs a lot of money. Or do I homeschool? Concerned about high schooling. High schooling is a marvelous time to homeschool because they have so many, the kids have so many abilities and you can pull from real world sources. Um, My caution about sending a child, well, first of all, it's cheaper to homeschool than to send your child to a 
yes. a tiny a, a Christian school. I did the Christian school for six weeks and then I pulled my kids out. Um, mm-hmm. the, the, my caution about that is you don't know the other kids and the, the schools today, you know, they, they, they take children. Yeah. Parents sign up, maybe they sign a statement of faith or whatever, but you mm-hmm. don't know that those parents don't give their children smartphones with no, you know, uh, guardrails on them with no, no safety measures. You don't, you just don't know what your child is being exposed to. Um, and that, I think that was my biggest sort of thing was, um, and it took me a long time to get there. Uh, but what I realized in hindsight is I really protected my children from a lot of what was happening to children in the world, but I also galvanized them. So, you know, when you tell your child that you're homeschooling, you tell them it's because they're worth it. You tell them that it's, uh, it's because you think that they're too smart to, to be systematized and to be manipulated in the, in the system. And, and you, 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 empower them to understand that, that they are special. They're special in your eyes, at least, and that, that that has value. And you want your children to feel valued. So who better to to tell them that they have value than you? And and you ought to do that. And uh, I will say that, you know, I, I really struggled because I recently learned from my daughter that the one year that she did in the public, the cute little public uh, kindergarten class that she went to, um, that that was the year that she learned that she was stupid. <laughs> yes. And I didn't even know until she was 17 and, and she finally figured it out that that was, that was how she learned she was stupid because the class laughed at her because she struggled with reading when she was little. Mm. Um, yes. And so you just don't know, you don't know what's going to happen to your child when they are away from you. Heck, you don't even know what's going to happen to them when they're, when they're with you. But take on that responsibility. I know it's hard. I know, I know it's easier to think that someone else knows better than you do. That's a lie that, that the school gave you, the school taught you that someone else knows better than you do. And it's just not true. You know, better for your child, you know, better for your child that because you know what you're pouring into your child. And then if you're pouring in bad things, get a hold of yourself, man, and step up to the plate. Yeah. Yes. It is such an incentive for us as moms to build our own selves and to build our own character so that we can be the very best role models and the very best educators in the true sense of the word. Um, yes. And read the Bible with your kids every day. Have them read the Bible to you. Yes. You have to sit there patiently while they stumble through the words they can't, you know, pronounce and stuff. But that will teach them. The Bible is the guidebook to life. The Bible has truth. They will ha- they will hold the Bible in the highest esteem. I didn't know that I was giving my children this gift when I did this with them. And uh, that is the best thing that I've ever done for my children is we read the Bible every day. Um, there, there, there's a great book that teaches you how to read the Bible. Uh, it is also a bestseller. Um, it's the best book out there. It's called the Bible and it teaches you how to read it. And so all you have to do is start reading the Bible. If you come up upon a part where they're castrating people or whatever, (laughs) circumcising people and your children are too young for that, then, you know, you can explain it in children's terms and maybe skip to the next chapter or whatever, but just read the Bible with your kids every day. If you do that, they will get, really, they will get 
so much of what they need. And if that's all you do, that's better than what they get in school. So you're already ahead of the game. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Faith is such an, a bedrock of, of our homes. I love that. I love that Maria keeps jumping in with Jesus was home educated. Yes. And it's true. Yes. But, but yeah. I will put it even in better terms. Our founding fathers who were brilliant, who were brilliant to a man who were brilliant and were uh, entrepreneurs and lived in an impoverished country and created out of this impoverished uh, uh, co collection, conglomerate of, of somewhat like-minded people, <laughs> barely, right? <laughs> created from the revolution, created a nation that, that, that then created the greatest leap in prosperity mankind has ever known for the world over, for the world over, okay? These men were geniuses and they were all home educated. Pretty much, yes. Thank you, Sam. Uh, we could go on for a long time. Yes, I could. Um, but um, uh, Also, if, if you noticed in the chat, there is, um, sorry, uh, Sam's Parenting Bundle, uh, a link to that. Also, a free download, 12 Days of Christmas Devotionals, courtesy of Sam. Um, moms, thank you so much. Thank you for your chat. Just know, I personally believe in a God that will help you that you have the divine right to ask and You've you will chosen. get, yes, you will get answers. Mm -hmm.